Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. And this Sunday, we're going now into a sermon that says, I will serve. Number 10 on the list of dad's today list is I will help somebody in need. I will help somebody in need. I want to start by just reading a verse of scripture and and it's towards the end of really the Bible story that goes with this scripture. And I'll unpack it here in just a minute. But as Jesus is teaching his disciples at the end of his lesson, this is what he tells them. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, there's two things that I've come to do. I've come first of all to serve, and then I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. Now, now this particular passage of scripture is perhaps one of the greatest teaching moments about the kingdom that we find from the words of Jesus Christ. And and it all started with a mother's request. You know, know, sometimes mothers ask things that their children are not really capable of doing. I, I don't know if you mothers are guilty of that, but a lot of times mothers are constantly pushing their children just a little bit further. And and I remember when I was just a young man and and uh, I was learning to play the trumpet and and we had an incredible music uh, minister, pastor with us at that time, Dan Dean. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Phillips Craig and Dean. Is that Dean, uh, you know, the guy that's written all of the number one songs in the world just about and uh, just a great guy. Loved when Dan worked with us and I didn't know it, but mother had gone behind the scenes and talked to Dan and told Dan what an amazing trumpet player I was. Amen. And uh, so Dan, I'm sure, didn't take her at her word, but gave in to the pressure of the moment. If any of you know Imogene, and I know there's some in here that still remember her, even though she's been gone 21 years, 22 years, you, you remember she had a way of getting her way. Anybody say amen? She knew how to get her way. <laughs> and uh, she got her way, and Dan came to me and said, uh, hey, I want you to play a uh, a trumpet solo tonight in church. It was Wednesday night. I wasn't good enough for Sunday for sure, but uh, they gave me a tryout on Wednesday night, and, and I still remember uh, getting up with the choir, and the choir is singing, and I have my trumpet solo, and, and I go through it, and, and it's all over, and uh, I never got asked again. That was it. That was it. It was over. And the truth of it is, I wasn't very good. And the only reason I was up there is because my mother asked. My mother asked for me to play a trumpet solo. Well, really, that's the situation here. Jesus is walking along and the mother of James and John, the two disciples, come to him and says, Jesus, I really would like for my sons to sit on your right hand and on your left hand. In other words... Let's make them the most important disciples. I don't know what her thought of was the kingdom of God and what her thought of was on what was going to happen in the life of Jesus, but 
but she just wanted them to be an important place. And, and, and sure enough, word starts getting out and all of the other disciples are upset and they're angry. And, and, and I love that Jesus just goes to, to John and James and he says, look, this is what's been asked. Are, are you able to drink this cup? And, and, and to their credit, both James and John say, oh, yes, yes, I, we can do it. We can do it. Put us right there. Everything will be okay. And um, I, I love the fact that Jesus didn't scold them for their ambition. I don't think that the Lord uh, minds us having big ambition for the kingdom of God. He didn't scold them. As a matter of fact, he loved their ambition and he just took that moment and taught them how to fulfill what their desires were. He taught them how to fulfill the desire to be leading in the kingdom of God and to be a part of what Jesus was doing. But, but he didn't fulfill it by saying, yes, John, you can sit here. And yes, James, you can sit here. He redirected their desires. He redirected it to the correct objective. He redirected it to serving others. And through that passage of scripture, if you read up before the scripture that I read, you'll find that he talks to them about how if you're really going to be great in the kingdom, you're going to have to serve. That's, that's what the kingdom is all about. I, I think that we all need to realize that we are blessed to be a blessing. I just wonder, is there anybody in the house that you've been blessed? Let me just see the hands of everybody that's been blessed. We have been blessed. I, I'll go further than that, and I will tell you that in some of the deepest, darkest times of my life, I've really taken account and I've taken inventory of what's going on, and even in those deep, dark moments, I realize I am still blessed by God. I am still blessed because God is with me. That's why... Joseph, we don't ever give up because we know, hey, I might be in the middle of a situation, but I've got a God that is able. He's already blessed me. And so I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to see God do something great in my life. And we are blessed. We are blessed even in difficult situations. And we're blessed because our faith is not in the situations or the circumstances around us but our faith is in God. I don't know if you remember, but just a few weeks ago, I preached a message and I said, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith because we know about God. We know how he is able and because of his presence, even in the midst of difficult, difficult circumstances, we don't have hopelessness. Oh, we have situations that look like there's no hope for that situation, but for my life and for my soul, I don't have hopelessness because I have Jesus Christ. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, now listen, you, you responded for Joseph. You better respond for me too. I, I, I need you while I'm preaching today. I'm thankful that in the midst of all of the situations that I go through, I can have faith in God because I know that he will see me through. Uh, how do you know that, Pastor? Because he's done it before. Anybody gone through something before and God saw you through? You ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Anybody gone through something before and God saw you through, you ought to give him a hallelujah. 
Anybody gone through a situation where you didn't know if you were going to come out and you're out, you ought to say, Amen. That's because we can trust him. So I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know that whatever it holds, the presence of the Lord will be with me because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if the presence of the Lord is with me, then I have that hope in my life that Jesus is going to see me through. Now, there is a story in the Bible that truly has been perhaps one of the one of the biggest, it's not the biggest influence, but one of the biggest influences in my life. It's a small story. It's insignificant. I don't know that it holds that much weight with anyone else, but it is a story that has been in my heart since I was just a young man. And it's a story about someone who went through very difficult situations, but in the midst of the difficult situations, still kept their faith in God and served in a very difficult situation. The, the story is found in the book of 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. It's attached to a very famous story, the story of Naaman the leper and him being healed because he dipped into the Jordan River seven times. But that's not how the story starts. It starts in verse one of 2 Kings chapter five. This is what it says. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of the army. So so this Naaman is the commander of the army of Aram, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered with leprosy. So here is this great warrior, this great commander And he has this disease that is debilitating, this disease that will eventually kill him, this disease that rots his flesh from the outside. And and, and he's going through this. And and, um, the the Bible goes on to say in verse 2, at this time, the Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. Okay, I want to stop right here and give you the contrast. You have this incredible warrior, this commander, this man that had respect from the uh, people that served under him, even from the king. And, And then you had this little girl that has been taken from her home, that has been put into a situation where she is now a slave and, and there's so much known in this uh, uh, that is unknown in this little scripture. First of all, we don't know her name. She's never named. But second of all, we don't know what the circumstances were where she became a slave or was taken uh, captive. We don't know what happened to her family. We don't know how, what happened to her home. I, I can't imagine that it was a peaceful thing that the raiders just pulled up in the front yard and said, hey, give us your daughters. I, I have a feeling that was some type of battle there could have been injuries. She may have seen in the last moments of her being with her family, destruction, uh, harm to her family, or perhaps even death. And yet she finds herself in the home, serving in the home of this man that is responsible for taking her captive and doing whatever his wife would say. Obviously, she notices the fact that he has this leprosy that he has this disease, and for some reason that I still can't quite 
get my mind around, she has compassion for her captor. And this is what she says in verse 3. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He, talking about the prophet, would heal him of his leprosy. Here we are, an unnamed little girl, young teenager more than likely, carried away captive into a foreign land. But this is what is amazing to me. In her captivity, she remembers God. In her captivity, she remembers the words of the prophet. In her captivity, she maintains her confidence in God's ability to work wonders in her life, even though her her situation hadn't changed. She's still a captive. She's still going through this separation from her family. She still doesn't know what tomorrow will hold, but she is still confident in God's ability. I personally believe that she probably had prayed, God, deliver me from this situation. Or God, take me back to my family. And even though that set of prayers hadn't been prayed, she had deep faith that God was still able. This is why this passage of Scripture speaks to me so strongly. Because a lot of times, if things don't line up just like we want them to, we have a tendency to blame God and turn our back on God when this little girl that is unnamed, while things go completely wrong in her life, maintains her faith in God and sees God do amazing things through her. Amen. And I just ask you the question today, how is it possible for a young captive girl to serve God in this foreign land, in this heathen land. And I will tell you this, when we look at this girl, we see something that that is just a part of Christianity. It's a part of being God's people. Many times we're in situations that are difficult, but we still need to serve God. I got four amens in the Houston campus on that. I'm going to try it again. Sometimes, no matter what the situation is and how difficult the situation is, we just need to keep serving God because God is faithful. And we see this over and over again. We see Joseph sold into slavery by his own brothers. And and yet, what does he do? He serves God. He he stays faithful to God. We we see Esther, who is uh, another uh, orphan, no telling what happened to her family, and and, and she comes to the kingdom for such a time as this, and she stands there and and represents what what God wants to do for her her whole uh, uh, nation, for her people. This this young girl here in Syria, uh, maybe one of the greatest examples of somebody that was a, a servant is Daniel taken captive as just a young man. And for 70 plus years, he serves these different kings, even though they're vastly different and have many different problems. He remains faithful. As a matter of fact, Daniel showed us not only how to live in Babylon, and that's, that's a big deal. How do we live in the world that is full of sin? But Daniel actually showed us how to abound in Babylon, to serve in Babylon. 
Babylon, to make it a better place because he has his faith in God. And, and, and I would just present to you this morning, don't we all have places in our life that we would call, well, this is my Egypt. Uh, th this is my Persia. This is my Babylon. This is my Syria. This is where I have found captivity. This is where I have found difficulty. This is where I have found things that won't help me. And, and this little girl is in this situation and she says, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. I, I, I want to say something here, and I, I think it's there in your notes. I, if it's not, yes, it's in your notes. It's right under 2 Kings chapter 5, 1 through 3. Underline it, if you will. Don't complain about where God puts you. Just ask him to use you while you're there. Amen. Don't complain. I think a lot of times we spend our time complaining about where God has put us. And God says, don't you know that I have good works for you to do? Don't complain about where God puts you today. Just ask him, Lord, use me right here. I don't understand the situation that I'm in. I don't understand the problems that are around me, but this is what I would like, God. I would like for you to use me. Use me for your glory. Use me to tell somebody about your goodness. Use me, Lord, to show your faithfulness to the people around me. I'm not going to complain. I will to be used by God. Amen. This little girl uh, could have easily gone to whatever quarters they had and said, Lord, let, let him die. <laughs> Maybe if he dies, I can go home. Lord, kill him. Let that, Lord, Lord, this disease is from you. Obviously, kill that man off. He, he, he's taken me captive. Instead, there is something inside of her that says, Lord, I, I know that you have something here. And if he would only submit himself and go down and see the prophet in Samaria, he would be healed. And when she voiced it, when she put it in motion, you know what happened? It started a chain of events that led to someone who was eaten up with leprosy being completely healed. And we still have that testimony today. We're still reading it and rejoicing about the power of the living God. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I want you to catch this. I, I want you to grab a hold of this because this is what serve is all about. This is about I'll help somebody in need. This is what it's all about. She sought the peace of the home in which she was kept captive. She sought peace of the home that she was kept captive. I, I, I really believe that this is a true servant's heart. A true servant's heart when we could accuse, when we could be bitter, when we could be angry, when we could withdraw, when we could say, I, wanna, I don't want to have anything to do with it, is when we make up our mind even though it's Brad, even though it's wrong, even though I'm not in the place I want to be, I am going to seek the peace of this situation. Now, I know that when you saw the title today, many of you thought that I was going to preach a message on how to serve in the church. And, and, and we need people to serve. We, we need people to serve. That's why we have Discover Life after church. We want new people to come get involved in that. We want you to be on the team. We need the help. This message is really not about that. This message is about where is your heart? 
And I believe that if we're truly going to walk in rhythm, it's not because, oh, I serve at church 30 minutes before the service every Sunday or every other Sunday or whatever it is. It's because I begin to have a servant's heart and I start living the life that God wants me to live. I start praying. I start walking with him. I have a rhythm of just living a life as a servant. That's what Jesus did. Now, the, the, the children of Israel were in exile. The book of Jeremiah and the prophet speaking to them, and, and, and it's not a very good situation. Some of them had been there multiple generations, and, and they're trying to figure out how do we exist here, and, and when are we going to be restored, and, and I want to go back to Israel. And, and the word of God comes to the prophet Israel, uh, uh, Jeremiah, and this is what he states. He, 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 through Jeremiah, God gives his intention. And his intentions were that the people would work and be a blessing to the communities around them. That the people would be involved and they would be a blessing not only to the other children of Israel that are in exile, but that they would be a blessing to the very country that was keeping them captive. This is what the scripture says, Jeremiah 29 and 7, and work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. God, you are the one that put them there and you put them there for a purpose and their purpose is to work for the peace and the prosperity of the city. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. I, I, I love this because I, I know that this is what God even wants for us today. I, I know that there are a lot of people, a lot of Christians, a lot of followers of Jesus Christ that spend the majority of their time wringing their hands about the, the horrible world that we are living in. And we are. We are living in a world that is moving away from God. Our nation is turning into a godless nation. I, I see that. I, I see the statistics. I see how many people are leaving faith. And, and it would be easy for us to just wring our hands and worry about, oh, how are we going to even exist in this evil world that we're in? And this is what I would say to you, no matter where you are or no matter when you are, God can use your service no matter when you are and no matter where you are, God can use your service. No, no, it's not time to forsake your post, but, but pastor, I'm sick of serving in this godless house. It's not time for you to forsake your post. God, pastor, I, I'm tired of serving this godless generation that doesn't care anything about you. It's not time for you to forsake your post. It's a difficult situation that we're living in, a sinful world that we're living in, but look for your name and amen. amen. Look for the person that you can pray peace upon. Look for the person that you can pray that God would heal them. Look at the person that you know that God has placed you in this situation to make a difference in. Just, just a few more about this little girl. God, God enabled her to have a part in a great miracle. A great miracle that's even an inspiration today. And, and, and she rose above her sorrows and, and by faith her brought victory out of defeat. 
I, I, I wanted to talk to you today about this type of attitude, about this servant attitude. And I want to ask you a question. Do, do we really know what it means to have a servant's heart? I mean, obviously, we see Jesus had one. This is what he called for us to do is to be servants. But, but do we really know what it means to have a servant's heart? And, and I think, first of all, we have to really understand what a servant is. A, a servant is a person who meets the needs of others. Everybody say others. This is where a lot of us lose out on having a servant's heart because we've never matured beyond the place where, where we're not the most important person in our world. And to really be a servant, we have to move beyond the place till we realize the story is not about me. The story is about God. I'm going to say that again because I want you to catch this. This is not our story. We are living in God's story. And what God wants for us is more important than me starring the starring role in my own story. My important place is to find out where God wants me in his story. And, and, and we have to have that servant's heart. And, and, and as dad said here on verse number, uh, verse number 10, on, on number 10 of his today list, I will help someone in need. You see, a servant is an individual who puts themselves under the submission to another. I'll meet your needs. I, I, I'll find out what needs to happen in your life and, and I'll do everything that I can to make it happen. And, and of course, as followers of Jesus, we are first called to submit to God, right? That's our first goal. But Jesus didn't leave it there because just as we submit to Him, we also have to submit to each other. One time, there was a... Pharisee that was standing there and Jesus was teaching and, and uh, the Bible tells us in, in Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 34, but when the Pharisee heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, earlier there was a, a confrontation with Sadducees and Jesus had shut them down and, 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 and um, he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in the religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the greatest commandment, the first and greatest commandment. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say, a second is equally important. Now, I know we like to say one, two, three, four. Jesus is really trying to do away with that. He's saying that this is the first one, but there is another one that's equally as important. I can't give you one without giving you two, and you can't fulfill one without fulfilling the second one. They go together. They have to be coupled together. And the second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophet are based on these two commandments. And that's really our, our life church values. The, the values that we live by and try and conduct our ministry by. Two of those are we love God and we love people. How, how do I do that? How, how, do I, how do I develop a servant's heart? Well, it's very simple. I just... Just want to be like Jesus. 
You know, like the, the braces. What would Jesus do? What, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus do in that situation? When I come into a situation, I need to ask myself, what, what would Jesus do? How, how would Jesus handle this? And, and, and we know that Jesus was the greatest servant of all. He came to earth as a servant with a commitment to serve. Listen to what the scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. By coming as a servant, this is what happened. Jesus provided a living, a breathing example for us to follow on how we are to treat others how we should uh, live our life. If I'm going to be a servant, I need to follow Jesus. Everybody say, follow Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, what would Jesus do? That's what I need to do in my own life. And, And here's a great example of what Jesus would do. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. Because it's in this passage of Scripture that Jesus is walking into all the power of his purpose. Within three weeks of this particular Scripture being written, he had raised the dead, he had healed blind eyes, he had walked through the city of Jerusalem and everyone was screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Just just put it this way. He was the most powerful person on the earth and he was definitely the most powerful person in the room. And yet, this is what the scripture says. After washing their feet. Yeah. That's what he did with his power. He he washed their feet. He put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And that, now, I, I know that it's a physical act that has taken place. And I don't think Jesus is saying carry around a bucket and everybody you see wash their feet. I don't think I don't think that's what he's asking. I think what he's asking is serve one another. Take care of one another. So to cultivate my servant's heart, I have to use Jesus as a role model. And and I have four steps here that I'll tell you. And and, and the four steps are not going to take as long as what I've what has gone before. So relax. The first thing that we have to do. And it's there in your notes. We have to choose others. Everybody say choose others. See, see when, we, when we're watching the example that Jesus gave us and the example that he had for his disciples, and he, he really only has given us two choices in, in our walking with him. We, we can choose to serve ourselves or we can choose to serve others. Mark chapter 9, verse 35, he sat down and called the 12 disciples over to him and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of all. The the, the greatness in the kingdom of God doesn't come because you have a title. It doesn't come because you're occupying a position of power. It doesn't come because you're being praised by men. 
Listen, this is what God is interested in. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in your servant's heart and your attitude towards others. We must choose to serve others and the least of, and, and be the least of these in order to have a servant's heart. The second thing, not only do we choose others, we have to love others. Everybody say love others. Jesus told his disciples and us that if we love him, we'll, we'll keep his commandments. And, and our obedience is an outward demonstration of our love for God. John 15, I preached from this passage of scripture last week, but, but this scripture, verse 12 through 13 says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to love, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Think about that. He wants us to love each other like he's loved us. Sacrificially. Giving. Even to the place of laying one's life down for a friend. And when we obey God's commandment, we show that servant's heart. I, I, I have to choose others. I have to love others. I have to consider others. Will you say that with me? Consider others. See, see in today's society, the world that we live in, we, we know this. There, there is just a tendency for us to focus on self-fulfillment rather than making it a priority to serve God and to serve others. It, it's all about us. And and it's time for us to, to look at what would really be a consistent life according to the Scripture. And a consistent life according to the Scripture is when we serve others. And when we consider others. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4 says, Don't be selfish. Just, <laughs> that's just good advice right there. Just turn to your neighbor and say, don't be selfish. I hope that didn't cause any fights. <laughs> Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Well, what a horrible life that is. Just if we stay right there in that first couple of sentences of that verse. To live a life that is full of selfishness and always trying to impress others. Because I, I just want everybody to know others don't care. <laughs> Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of your others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest. But take an interest in others. This is so important. If, if I'm really going to serve, if I'm really going to be someone that will make sure that I help someone in need, then, then my focus has to be on others. I have to consider others. The focus of a Christian should always be on serving others. Serving others according to the example of Jesus Christ. I, I, I love throughout the story of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus how many times it was inconvenient for him to help people. And he helped them anyway. Many times it was, um, it, it didn't seem like it was something that should be, that it was not, not appropriate at the moment. And he always chose for the inappropriate moments to help people. 
You know, there's, there's hundreds and thousands of people around and, and he, he's focusing on some guy that's climbed up a sycamore tree. He, he, he's walking and the crowds are following him and he, he stops because he hears somebody in the background calling his name. He, he's constantly, he, he's, he's touching the person with leprosy, completely violating the commandment that was given to Moses because the man had faith. What an example for us to be a servant. And, and the fourth and last thing is, not only do I choose others, not only do I love others, and consider others. It is so important that I bless others. How many of you are thankful for the gifts that God has given you? Let me just see your hands. For the, I, I, I'm so thankful. I, I walked in today and, and, and there was so many different gifts just on display here. Gifts of, of mercy and gifts of help and gifts of uh, uh, talents and abilities and and I was I'm just always amazed when God's people get together and how how he uses us in different ways I I had people speak words of encouragement to me today I had people speak words of gratitude to me today over and over again I see these and 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 it's so important that we use those gifts it's so important that we use those to serve others God God didn't give us those gifts just to to keep to ourselves, but he gave them to us so we could serve others and and again, that's why we have Discover Life after service today at all of the campuses. You need to go and find out where you fit in. Uh, you, 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 those little cards that we have out in the lobby, just the, the bless you cards that you give when you do something for somebody. Here, I, I've done this because God has blessed us to bless others. Listen to this scripture, 1 Peter chapter 4 and 10. God has given each of us, each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Wait a minute, God. Didn't you give me that gift so that I could be important? Didn't you give me that gift so everybody could look at me and say what a spiritual giant I am? Didn't you give me that gift, dear Lord, so that everybody would say, oh, man, you need to call brother so-and-so. You need to call that sister. They, they can give you a word from God. Isn't that what you wanted from me, Lord? Don't you want to use them to serve one another? And, and in turn, by serving others, it, it may be what God uses to touch their hearts and to Draw them into a place to serve Him. To, to share the love of God by using your gifts to serve others. It's just the perfect way to show how to have a servant's heart. Uh, all the campuses, let the worship teams come. and I, I would just ask you to stand with me as I close this, this sermon. I want to close and I want you to pay attention to me. I know people are moving around and the teams are moving around. That's okay. But I want you to just give me these last few minutes. I go back to the scripture that I read at the beginning. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. 
if there was a possibility for us to somehow rank people that lived in this earth to see who was the greatest servant of all, it's, it's really no contest. The greatest servant that ever lived was Jesus Christ. He came to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. A ransom just means a price that is paid to redeem someone who is captive. You're talking about serving. For us that are captive, He came and just paid the price so that we could be free. That, that captivity speaks of our lost condition, our dead and our trespasses and sin, our bondage to sin and our horrible separation from God. He came to serve and to give His life. I love how that's tied together in the life of Jesus and I, I really think it's tied together in our own life. Servanthood and sacrifice. He came to die and that was His supreme mission. He came to live only so that we would have His example. He came to teach so that we would know the kingdom. He came to heal both body and mind and soul. He came to show compassion to the multitudes. He, he came to speak truth that we might walk in it. He came to destroy the works of the devil and to set us free. He came to set the captives free that we may be free indeed. He came to lay down His die a martyr. They didn't drag him screaming to, to a death. He gave his life for us. I want to tell you what happened. As he is hanging on this cross, blood is being shed. The Lamb of God is being sacrificed. This is what was happening. God's divine justice was being satisfied. The penalty, the penalty of our sin is being paid for. The, the forgiveness that we needed, that there was no way that we could purchase was freely given. The list of our sins and the, the offenses that, that we had committed, the, 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 everything that was evidence against us was covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're talking about a servant. He served us all by giving us our salvation and our relationship. dead everybody say I was dead but because of his great mercy he loved us he loved us when we were sinners he died for us when we were sinners so that we
there's places on the back of of where you, you want life change. And if there's any message that should say, I've, I've got to have a change in my life, it's the message of how Jesus served us. I, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. I, I, I just pray right now that someone in this place, maybe you've never been here before, but but you're ready to take that step where you're just surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. And I just wonder if, all of the campuses, if there's anybody that is making that decision of just total surrender today, I wonder if you would just raise your hand right now. I want to see your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I see those hands going up. Thank you so much. It's so important. It's so important. I'm going to surrender my life, Lord. I'm renewing my commitment to Jesus. I I want to be baptized. I don't know if, if anybody here in the Houston campus, if you haven't been baptized, but this is the day for you to be baptized. If, if you're at one of the other campuses and you're feeling that, talk to your campus pastor. It's, it's such an important step. And, and, and Rodney's over here ready because we believe in baptism. We believe that it is something that each and every one of the followers of Jesus Christ, you know, Jesus himself was baptized, setting an example for us join a life group. I want to live in life with people. I, I want to start serving. If you're ready to take one of those steps, I, I, I encourage you to. And I invite the prayer teams to come forward here at the Houston campus, the other campuses. Please come to the front. And at the end of our service, if, if you've taken one of those steps, if you've filled one of those out and you're ready to take that next step, please come down and, and connect with one of our prayer team members so that we can take you, pray for you, ask the Lord to help you, direct you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, team. Amen. Now, before the campus worship teams take it back, I want to pray for everybody in Life Church. And I would just ask you to close your eyes and bow your head in all of our campuses. Let me just pray this prayer over you. Jesus, I love you so much. I'm so thankful, dear Lord, for all that you have done. You came to serve and you're still serving us, Lord. You're still walking with us and, and never walking away from us. You're still loving us. You still care about us, God. Lord, you serve us in the worst of our conditions, Lord serve us in the worst of our situations. When we are far away from you, you serve us, Lord, by standing faithfully and waiting for us to return, by, by calling us back to you, dear Lord, by searching and seeking for us, oh God. You constantly serve us, Lord. I, I know that someone that is listening to me praying right now, dear Lord, you're serving them in the midst of their horrible life situations. You're serving them, Lord, because you're loving them. You're loving them when they feel like they are unlovable. You're loving them when you they feel like that they can't go on. You're still loving them, Lord. I just pray right now, dear Lord, that each and every one of us would have that desire to serve you. And that at the end of my prayer, Lord, if there are people that, that are ready to take that step, that you would give them the courage and that you would just give them the determination.
determination to take that step to come down to the prayer team and let the prayer team pray for them and let your will be done in their life, God. That's what we're praying even today. In Jesus' name.